Good morning. Glad to see everybody here this morning. Uh, for those of you who may be guests visiting this morning, my name is Trevor. I'm pastor here. Um, I'd like to be, if not the first, uh, the most public one to welcome you here this morning. But again, um, I think we should just get right into it because that's what we're here for this morning. Um, I've been blown away by the children's choir now that. So like uh, Wesley said earlier, I think that's about all she wrote for today. I don't know how we're supposed to follow all these things. And then you get like, yeah, all right, now the preaching, that guy, all right, you know, so you know, like, lift me up a little bit, that'd be great. But again, I am super glad to be worshiping with you here this morning. But again, we'll get right into this, and we're going to look at a passage here this morning that I do think that you'll know what it is as soon as we get there. Um, you've probably heard it before. Um, we use phrases like this all the time. So if you do have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, uh, turn with me to the book of uh, first Peter, we're going to be looking at first Peter chapter four, just a few verses four through uh, 11 here this morning. And as you're turning there, I kind of want to set the set the tone and kind of set up what we've been doing here for the last uh, few weeks. In the last three weeks, we've been looking at uh, hope, peace, joy. And then now we're going to be looking at love as we go throughout this Advent season. And there's something that I always say about this every time we talk about these things, every time we look at the Advent, all the stuff that's happening, um, whether we talk about it now or if we're even looking forward to it, you know, say in June. But these four things, faith, hope, love, and joy, all these things, they, they go together. They're a package deal. We're not able to separate them. We're not able to have one without the other. We talked about this shortly last week, but you can't have peace without love, love without joy, um, door without hope, and, and you get the point. We're not able to do that. Any other way you'd like to say it, all these things stem from and lead to something. One thing, in fact. One thing. It leads to one thing. They all come from and they all lead to Jesus. Plain and simple. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. They draw us to Christ, and we use these to show Christ to others, right? We use the joy that he gives us, the peace that he gives us, the hope that he gives us. And now we're going to talk about today the love that he gives us to keep in our back pocket, right? So we don't have to show nobody else, right? No, we take it out, right? We use these things. We use the gifts that God gives us, the love and the hope that we have. We use them to show other people who Jesus is. I mean, don't get me wrong. We fail from time to time. We're not always the most loving people in the world, but that's what they're there for. We show other people who Jesus is. That these are things that only he can offer us. And again, that's great news. When Christ saves us, when the Holy Spirit comes into us, we're changed. We are made new. We're different. From that moment on, forever, all of eternity, we're different. At that moment, at that point, the moment of conversion, we are, like we talked about before a little bit ago, we're set apart. It's different. It's no longer about what I think. It's no longer about what I want. I mean, we, we get, you know, distracted by ourselves a lot. And there are certain things that I want that I get caught up on. But as a whole, do we show that change? We make ourselves servants. We humble ourselves before Christ and we say, Jesus, not but my will, but your will. And that's a hard thing to do. 
but that's what we are called as followers of Christ to do. We serve Christ, and by that we're also serving each other, right? One another. So again, I hope that you found it. I hope that you're there. We're going to be at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. Starting in verse 7, it says this, The end of all things is there, is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sin. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be of one who speaks with God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We start this, my first point, it's right out of the box, it's pray. My first point, if you're a note takers, my first point is, is, is pray. As we look at this, Peter writes what we should be doing first. Verse 7, he says it right off the bat. He says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Essentially this, go to God first. First. Not second. Not third. Not where our, we usually put them, which is somewhere, I don't know, here-ish, give or take. Right? We, we don't go to them first. And you know why we don't go to them first? Because I can handle it really honest how many times this week or not how many times just maybe once if you've done it once this just this last week have you been in a position where you should have went to god and said god i need your strength i need your help let's get this done i can't do it without you you didn't do that you said i can handle this okay thank you i was like oh, i'm the only one <laughs> this this sermon boom right <laughs> i thought i was gonna go downhill really quick but how many times do we do that? We think that I got it. I got a grip on it. I know how to fix it. Even like this. I've been in this situation before. But it's not the same. It's different. But we should go to God first. Not second. Not after you've tried. Not after you tried and failed. But first. Have communion with God. Talk with Him. Take time for God. And I don't want to sound legalistic, but if it takes it, do it. Okay? Schedule out of time. If you are so busy, and we get like that. If we're so busy that we don't take time to talk with God, to pray with God, literally get your phone out, or if you're a little more old school, get your calendar out, your, your notebook, whatever, and say from this time to this time, nothing, I'm taking time for God. Yeah, on the level, it sounds legalistic. But if that's what it takes to get into a habit, do it. But take time to go to, go to God. Because that's who's going to speak to you. That's who's going to help you. That's who wants to hear from you. Whether it's the good things or the bad things, whether you're on the mountaintop or the valley low, God is there. And we can go to him no matter what. And he says this because of how he started verse 7. He says this, Pray because the end of all things is near. So be alert. Pray. Keep your eyes focused on God. Because we need to be able to think clearly. 
and act accordingly no matter what. Because there's always going to be things coming. We need to be able to hear what God's saying and then take what God's saying and then go and actually do them. That's hard. That's hard when you are in the best mood, you wake up and have the best sleep, and everybody around you is super positive. That's still not that easy. So having a right mindset and a right focus on God and who he really is is going to help you get through. And that's what sober-minded means. It's not just being sober as in not like drinking or doing any kind of drugs. That's not exactly what it means. It's being clear and thinking about who God really is. Because there's a lot of stuff that can cloud our judgment no matter what. Lots of things can take the place of God and make us not have a clear and sober mind. Idols, right? Not just the golden statues from 2,000 years ago. We have lots of idols. TV, our relationships, work. I mean, it could be anything. All these things can cloud our judgment. We're not being sober-minded because we're letting everything else, everything besides this, everything besides the Holy Spirit speaking to us, change our minds and cloud our judgment. And we let it dictate what we do and it thinks for us. And we start to bend our worldview around everything that it shouldn't be bent around. And then we're in trouble. Then we're in a lot of trouble. It can even be ourselves. Ourselves can cloud our judgment. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but my opinion is always right. <laughs> and I'm also the most humble person in this room. So there's... <laughs> anyway, but that's what we... We do. We let ourselves dictate things. If I like something, we'll say it, we'll even go that far. If I like a certain scent, what am I going to do? I'm going to do what I can to justify doing that scent. Because I like it. But if you do it, you're a terrible person. It's okay if I do. I can justify it because my opinions matter more than anybody else's. We let ourselves get in the way of what truth really is. And when we're there, I'll simply say this, how are we supposed to love others when we can't even see the truth for ourselves? And we've dug ourselves in a big hole. And if I'm good at anything, it's I'm pretty good with the shovel, right? I'm good at digging myself into these holes. So again, it's anything that keeps us from God and then seeing ourselves and being who he intends us to be. So be in prayer, in communion with God. Because we have no real power, no matter how much we think we do. God has it all. And he has it for us. He's told us, trust in me. So why don't we? He knows what tomorrow brings. I don't even know what I'm going to have for lunch yet. But he knows the future, every detail of the past, and exactly where you are right now. And then he goes on to say this, my second point, which is love. Looking at mainly verse 8, he says this, Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. And while doing this, while keeping in prayer, because that's important, but while doing this, there's an important thing that we need to do. 
There's a way in which we are supposed to act. There are certain things that Christians, that followers of Christ, are supposed to do. You are to show, not just talk about. You are to show, not just tell about either. But we're so to show that we love one another. Show that we love one another. But before we go any further, what kind of love? What are we supposed to show? And again, I heard it over here. That's the short and to the point answer is the love of Christ. The love that he shows us. Shows that followers of him, followers of himself, that's us. The love that he shows us on a daily basis. To those that call him master and Lord. That same love that he shows us, we are to show others. Think about that for just a second, real quick. How much does Jesus do for you on a daily basis? How much love does he show you constantly? When was the last time we've done that for somebody else? I know we can't mimic it completely. I get that. But how many times have we went and did something in spite of what we wanted to do for somebody else? That one's hard. But more than that in just a minute. And again, I want to say this. What is that love, though? Because we have to ask ourselves that question. What is the love of Christ? Because the world will tell you one thing. The world will tell you this, that we need to affirm, to show love to somebody, we need to affirm what they do. If they do something, we got to say, yes, that's good, and I'm going to support you no matter what. We're not to say anything that goes against anybody, right? Because if we do, that's, that's hate. We can't say that anybody's opinion's wrong because that's hate. So what is real love? What is the love of God? The easiest way I think I can put it is living, telling, and being truth. Being true. Not just letting others hurt or destroy themselves because that's what the world will say you have to do to show them that you love them. But saying, I love you enough to try to step in, to intervene, because you are killing yourselves. Because you know what Jesus did for us? We were killing ourselves, living in darkness, doing whatever it did for us. And he says, I love you enough. I'm going to go hang up on that cross and die for you. Can we mimic that a little bit and say, I'm going to step in, even though you're going to hate me for telling me that I think you're wrong. That part's hard. To step out and tell somebody something and you know for a fact they are just going to bash you. We wouldn't be the first ones to be in that situation. And we won't be the last. We have to realize that's what it is though. It's living and telling and being the truth. Jesus never said that you're good the way you are. Not once. He never said that. Jesus never said, oh, it's fine, go ahead and do it. He never once said, live your truth. Jesus said, live my truth. My truth. He told people repeatedly in the Bible 
what they were doing, and he called them out on their sins. And then you know what he said? He said, now go and sin no more. He didn't say, keep doing it, it's fine. How can we love somebody? I mean, honest question. If you have an answer, feel free to say something. How can we love, love somebody, actually care about them, and then say, go ahead and kill yourself and destroy yourself with all the things that you do on a daily basis? I don't think we can reconcile those two things. I just don't think we can. Jesus called them out, not to hold it over them, and we shouldn't do the same thing. We should. We don't hold it over people. If I sin, and everybody knows, honestly, you have two choices. You can either come up here and kick me while I'm down. I hope not. Or you can come help me up. That that that's it. And and if and if it was one of you up here, Mitch, if you were up here. We'd have the same choice. You were up here? Anyway. We can kick each other's while we're down. Or we can lift them up. The same as Jesus didn't hold it over them, but to call them to repentance to get right with God because he what? Loved them. Because that's how we are to be right with God. We're going to mess up. We mess up all the time. We're going to continue to mess up all the time. We're never going to be perfect this side of eternity. But when we do, we gather around with the saints and we say, would you pray for me? When I fall, will you pick me up? When I'm hurting, will you hold me? Will you be there when I need you? That's what real love is. It's me saying, I don't really want to. I'm tired. I'm hungry, I would rather go eat, I want to go to bed. But somebody needs me, and I need to be there for them. What's that called? Oh, sacrifice, right? Do we sacrifice for those we love? If not, I'm not going to push you while you're down, but we should be. We should be. We should be making ourselves a little bit lower all the time. In a right place. If you love someone, you will simply tell them the truth. We have to do so with love, with a certain amount of kindness. I said this before, and I'll say it again. Uh, it doesn't work to take this and beat somebody over the head with it. I've tried. It doesn't. But if we can do so with kindness and actually show people that we love them, not talk about it, anybody can talk about it, but show them that we love them, we can actually get something done and do more. When others are in sin, when we, we love them and we pray for them and we help to bring them to repentance. And again, when I'm in sin, I pray that you'll help me come back as well because that's what the church does. That's what the church does. Real and true love sees sin and it simply wants it gone. <laughs> gone. No matter how much someone likes that sin. And then Peter goes on to write this. He said, since love covers a multitude of sins. And I love that verse. I love how it just says it covers all of it, a multitude. 
A multitude doesn't have a precise amount of digits in the number. It just, in my opinion, it's just forever. All of it. A multitude. As much as you can imagine and then more. Love covers that much sin. And what that means here is that love is forgiving. Continually. It's in the present tense, which means it's always happening. Forever. Ongoing. It doesn't stop. And that's amazing. And it doesn't mean to be that we can be walked over. I mean, that's no fun either. I'm not a biggest fan of being a doormat. Anybody else here? Okay, good. We're on the same page. We're not called to be that. We're not supposed to be that. But we do forgive. We slow we show again love to others by forgiving them when they sin against us. We show love to others by helping them repent and being there with them, walking beside them when they sin against God and saying, hey, I'm here for you no matter what. We can be there. We should be there for people. We can't just cast people aside for whatever reason we can come up with in our heads. But we do these things in the same way that Christ constantly forgives us each and every single day. He does that, then we reciprocate that and we show that to others. And he forgives us for our numerous and grievous sins that we commit against him daily. Now, this is easier for people that we care about, right? For people that we like. If you really like somebody, maybe your family member or a really good friend, it's easy when they mess up and, and actually hurt you bad. Not like physically beat you up, but like inside, right? You can, you can get over that one a little bit quicker. But it's easy when there's somebody that you actually like. But what about those that we, that we don't like as much? Those that we'd rather, you know, that we'd rather not be around. Oh, did I mention there's no difference in the two? Yeah, that was an important part. The ones that you really, really like. I don't want to use the word hate, but the ones you really, really dislike. It, there's, there's no difference. There's not. You are to show love to that person just as much as you're to show love to this person. We are not at liberty. We don't get the choice on who we pick and choose to to show love to. We don't get the choice to pick and choose who we forgive and who we, we don't have to forgive. No matter how much we want to. We don't get that. No matter how much we would like to sometimes. I've heard it said like this, and, and I do like it. Not forgiving somebody is, is how they said, it's like, Drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die. You're, you're hurting and holding on to yourself. And we won't forgive. We won't get past it until we let go. And we won't let go because I'm, again, special enough and my opinion matters so much that you need to recognize that I'm right. Don't we see that? Don't we do that? So very often and again when we're at that point we're not showing love to anybody we're not and it's hard and it gets hard 
Sometimes it's easy. Like right now, this is this is the best place because we can come here and and just kind of forget about. Even if we were mad on the way, you ever seen like the pictures and the and the funny you know cartoons and stuff? It's 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 mom before church, rah, and then mom at church. Hey, you know that's. But when we get here, it's oak. Okay. That's not a. That's not you. <laughs> Can I can I can I go with somebody else after church? <laughs> but but it's easy when we get here because I don't know maybe there's something funny about the doors. But when when you walk in and you're with the saints, doesn't that weight just kind of goes away? Now I'm pretty sure those are just normal doors. That when we walk out of them, that weight doesn't have to come back. And it's easy when we're around people we like or we want to be around, but take that same energy to to work tomorrow. And and if you're having an issue, and I don't know about you, but I start feeling kind of drained, and I miss this big time by about Tuesday night, Wednesday, sometime in there. Call somebody. If you need a directory with people's phone numbers, let me know. I'll get you one. Have somebody to talk to, have somebody to call, so that we can show love continually instead of just depleting ourselves and being drained by sometime Monday. And that carries on to the next thought here. My third point is be hospitable. <clears throat> be hospitable. We show hospitality, we serve, but we're not to complain about it. That's the hard part. That's the asterisk there. We're not to complain about it. And there are kind of two ways I, I came up really to look at this. Two ways in general, but they all, you know, they kind of spiderweb out from there. But two main ways that kind of help at least me think about it more and bring it into light. The first one is, uh, think about it like this. You know, we're serving and we're helping. And, and we got a big smile on our face, right? We're helping, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're helping, we're having a good time. But as soon as we're not able to be seen, I'm going to run out here in the hallway. What do I do? I start to grumble complain a little bit. I might even start slandering some people because things aren't going the way I want them to. And then we have to ask ourselves, why am I doing this at all? Why? And often the answer to that is, is that it's more inward than anything else. Because there, there's something that I can get from this, apparently. There's a uh, some kind of glory, some kind of satisfaction that I, I must derive from, from you guys for, for serving here. Because as soon as I walk out, if I'm just grumbling and complaining and just making a big deal about it, what, what's, what's the point? It's obviously about me. I'm not serving you, but just lifting myself up so I can get, again, something out of it. And then the other one here, the second thing I was thinking about. The other thing is that we're going to take from this and trying to keep it a little bit more in context to what Peter's talking about here. But um, when we're persecuted, right? When there's really hard times, when nothing goes right, and the world is crushing down on you simply because you're a follower of Christ, when there are trials and, again, hard times, it's easy to become disheartened. Right? It's, it's easy to let all the pressure get to you. 
it, 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 it's quick. It's easy to be on edge. And what do we do when we're on edge? Snap at each other, right? Everything's going fine. And then, oh, I don't like your pink shirt. Yeah, it's like the stupidest things we get mad about too, right? So we have to be mindful, right? And that goes back to the sober-minded and alert to know what's really happening, to know what's going on, to what's happening while it's happening. Not after the fact, because how many times have you been here? You've done one thing, then about 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes later, you look back and I'm like, oh, that was stupid. That, that was bad. I don't know why I reacted like that. I don't know why I would ever think that, but I did. That's why it's important to know what we're doing, why we're doing it, not after the fact. And that's important while we should be in prayer. And again, alert and sober-minded. Because again, it's easy to drift. It's easy to get off course. And it's a really, really quick ride back to what the world would deem as acceptable. It's a really quick ride back there. And I've been asked this too, is how can I show love? How am I able to show this love that you're talking about? How am I supposed to be hospitable? What can I do? Um, you answer it like this maybe is, the more we make it about ourselves, a means to a kind of an end that where I get something, simply the less we're showing love. If it's all about Trevor, then I am not showing anybody love. I think that's a good place to start. If we are so inward focused, we're never going to be outward minded. Period. We just, we can't. We can't be. We can't be both things. So how can we show love? Well, we've already talked about a couple, you know, show forgiveness, be hospitable. And now my third point, or my fourth point, excuse me here, looking at verse 10 is serve with your gifts. Serve with your gifts. Every single believer every follower of Christ has a gift that has been given to them. Something they're able to do that's outstanding, amazing. You may not be the best in the world at it, but you can do it exceptionally well. Better probably than most people that are in a local body like this. Everybody here has something that they can do that probably no one else in this room can do or at least do as well. And that goes for every single one of us. And that's important to know. It's important to remember. It's something that they're able to do that brings glory to God. And it assists yourself and obviously others in his worship. Is everybody thinking about their gifts? I, I, I was hoping so, but, but, but we should. But we use those gifts. And, and that's plural. In many cases, it's plural. But we use those gifts. We use them to serve, to help, and to lift others up. And when we do that, that's showing love. If you can do something, even if you think it's kind of dull or mundane, that's not that important. I'll tell you, if you think that your gift is not important, go help somebody with it. Your mind will change. But it's showing love. It's doing it. It's actually moving. I had a, a, my, my mentor, our first senior pastor that I worked under, used to say this, love is not a feeling, it's a fact. 
its effect. It's not just saying it, you actually will show and people will know that you love by what you do. Because we can talk all that we want. Love is only a word if your actions don't back it up. You can say a lot of time, oh, I love this, I love that, I love the church. And if you don't have the actions to back it up, you might as well say, oh, I flugelfluggle the church. I can make up words too. Don't mean anything if we can't back them up. So there's that. Something to think about. <laughs> but God has given us many gifts. Lots of us have multiple gifts again. But we, t- we tend to shortchange them. We tend to shortchange ourselves. We tend to shortchange others by not using those gifts. At least not to their fullest extent. Some of us will, you know, somewhere between 35 and 45%, kind of on average. That's shortchanging what God has given you. If God gives you a $100 bill, are you going to go spend 100 bucks? Not just 45%, right? Think of it like that. If he gives it to you, use it. And unlike the $100, that gift will replenish itself. It's always going to be there. Use it. We reciprocate the love of Christ to others by doing and serving. But you know what the big problem really is? And I I want to be honest here. I really do. See, God loves us so much that he was willing to come to earth and die a terrible, absolutely awful death for us, right? And we're called to love others in a similar way. I think we can all agree on that one pretty much, right? So the big issue here, though, is not only do we not use our gifts to serve others, but the big problem is that we often go out of our way so we don't have to. It's one thing just simply to say, I'm not going to, but I'm going to actively avoid anybody who might know that I have this gift. I'm going to actively avoid any situation where my gift could even possibly come up. We go out of our way to not have to use our gifts. And it's another way of saying it. This maybe drive it home a little bit more. We go out of our way to not ever have to show that we love somebody else. We go out of our way. We actively avoid showing love for our brothers and sisters. We're not being good stewards. God has shown us amazing grace, overly abundant mercy. And we do not, we flat out will not show this to others. Why? Why? We try to hide it for ourselves. I don't know, we do this for whatever reason. Maybe we think that somebody else doesn't deserve it. I know your secret. You don't deserve it. I know your secret. You don't deserve it. Right? We can say that exact same thing about ourselves. Maybe we think that we deserve something extra special. I don't know. There's a million excuses, but whatever we do, we try to hold it. We try to hide it for ourselves. 
and then we just flat out miss it. We miss the point. We miss the blessing that comes from blessing others. God's kind of a compounding interest God, right? If you think about it, because he blesses us, right? And what do we do with that blessing? We bless others. And then when we bless others, what does God do? Blesses us. See the pattern? But we don't think it. You know why we don't think that actually works? Because we don't see the dividends paid out automatically. We don't see it immediately. So we think, well, if I don't get what I want right here, right now, I just don't care. And that's a problem. That's a big problem. We miss the blessings that come from all these things and we're not listening to God and we're sure not serving God when we do these things. We're not being obedient to what Christ has called us to do. And I really do think without a shadow of a doubt, we are missing the point of the whole thing. So the simple, I don't know, antidote to this, I suppose, is to start from the top and look at it, is to pray to be actually vigilant in what's going on. See what God is saying to you. Get into his word and say, God, reveal something to me because I'm missing it. Be honest with yourself. We all have to get there. We all get in ruts. We all do things that we would rather wish we didn't. But we have to look to God and say, God, I'm missing the point. Correct me. Bring me back into alignment. Get me back on that narrow path. And simply use our gifts and use what God has given us for our good, but for his glory. That's what we do. And that leads me to my final point here is simply serving for his glory. Serving for his glory. It's just pretty quick. There's a couple, uh, couple examples and then the reason. Verse 11 says this. If anyone speak, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ and everything to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Basically, if we speak, let it be God's word. Saying that when we talk, when we speak to others, let it be the truth. We don't have to embellish what we do here on a Sunday morning. You don't have to make up some, and conjure up some kind of crazy gimmick to get people to, to come to church. You don't have to embellish all these things to get people to know that you love them and that you're praying and that you've been saved and the God of the universe came and died for you. That's pretty amazing already. We don't have to make it sound better by not telling the truth about it. We don't. We simply tell it the truth of what God has already revealed to us and that is more than enough. And when we say these things, let it again be the truth. Make sure that it lines up with what the word of God says. Not your opinion, not my opinion, but what God says. What God's word says. Even if it goes against your opinion. Right? I've not been here very long, but I bet you $5 you probably heard me say this. You'll probably hear me say this again. There will be times where we disagree with something we find in here. But let me tell you this. If I disagree with what the Bible says, there's someone wrong. 
it's either me or it's God. I say, I, I will, <laughs> somebody's jumping the gun over here. I was going to say, I'll give you two guesses, but you're only going to need one. But it, it, it's me who's wrong. It's just me. It, that's what repentance is partially about. We turn, it's like, I thought this, but God, you're changing my mind. And I'm going to change my mind. And I want to be in alignment with what you say. And that's where we need to be. We tell the truth of God even when it goes against conventional thinking. When it goes against what our opinions are. We tell the truth of God. Then he goes on to say, if anyone serves. If anyone serves. Know that it's not our strength that will carry us through. But it is God that gives and provides that next step, that next breath. That he gives us what we need to continue on, no matter how dark it is. No matter how hard it is. No matter how thick the sludge is that we're, that we're just trudging through every single day. No matter what it is, God will give us enough to keep going. To make another step, to take another breath. And we serve him and we serve others again for his glory. And not because we get a reward here. Not so that we can walk out in, into the hallway and complain after we have the big smile on our face here. Because we're not worried about the reward here. Because our reward is in heaven. We look forward. We don't store up for ourselves treasures here on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But our reward is where no man can ever touch it. Where nothing can ever bother it. And that's what we look forward to here. Because our short time here on earth, even at best, 80, 90 years. Every once in a while, somebody hits triple digits. That's not that long. It's a vapor. It's a mist. It's a dot on the timeline in the grand scale of all things. Our reward is in heaven. It's waiting for us. And any other gift that may be present they are for the glory of god so really in everything that we do we give glory to god we have to not have to as in we don't have no other choice have to as in we all know that's the only thing that matters and it's the only thing that works that's it and it really does become easier and easier when we start to put aside our own wants our own desires and we start to serve Christ and, and be obedient to him. Start to be obedient. That's a that's a that's one of those naughty words we don't like to talk about though. But we be obedient to Jesus. We start to see that there are always opportunities in every turn of the page, in every facet of life, there are opportunities to glorify God. And the more we see that he has given us all we need, the more we are able to use all that he's already given us. We start to see all these things. Everything that he has given us, the faith, the hope, the joy, and the love. And the greatest of these is love. I say that because there's a verse somewhere, I thought I've heard that says that, right? Okay. And when we start to see the amount of love that God has shown us, that he shows each and every one of us individually, that he shows his church as a corporate whole. We start to show all that love 
we start to see all the love that God shows us, we will start to understand what love really, really is. And we will be better able to show that love to a world that is lost, that is dying, a world that is decaying, and in need, such great need of real love, not a love that's going to hoard it over them or, or simply just say how bad they are. They know they are. We know we are. But we have to be willing to show them love and tell them what love is, which is the truth, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, because none of us would be sitting here if they didn't do that, if someone didn't do that for us. And that's the kind of love that only comes from God, the love that saves life and that is life-changing. Amen. Father, again, we just thank you for everything that you do and for who it is that you are. Lord, your love is amazing. And I think I went a little long. But sometimes we just can't shut up about it. We want to talk about it. We want to talk about the love that you've shown us because, Lord, each one of us here now, me right now, I know what I was before. I was lost. I was dead in my trespasses. But your love came down and it changed me. And if it can change me, Lord, it can change anybody. And we're grateful for everything that you do. Forgive us when we're not. Thank you so much for you, Lord, that you would die on a cross for us. That you would take our sins and you would nail them up there. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do. Lord, again, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you so much. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.